0: Let's listen to Matt Reister, Director of Christian Crusaders and the Cedar Falls Bible Conference.
1: Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 20 verses 17 through 28, right on the heels of Jesus' teaching of the laborers in the vineyard. Go back and check that out from yesterday. Really great parable. Let's pick it up in verse 17. And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside and on the way he said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. So this is the third prediction that Jesus makes in the book of Matthew of his death and resurrection. And this one gives us quite a few specific details. One, it's going to happen in Jerusalem. Two, the chief priests and the scribes, that is the Jewish leaders, are going to have Jesus delivered over to them, which he was by Judas's betrayal. They're going to condemn him to death, and then they're going to hand him over to the Gentiles, who are going to mock and flog and crucify him. Indeed, that is exactly what happened. Romans, i.e. Gentiles, people who are not Jewish, took care of the Jewish leader's dirty work, and finally, on the third day, he would be raised. As I said last time, we saw one of Jesus' predictions. I wonder if anybody who heard this started to connect the dots while these events were unfolding before they came to full fruition. There's no record of that in scripture, but I got to believe somebody who saw these things start to unfold and heard him say this at this time started to go, man, this sounds really familiar. In fact, I think he might get crucified. Crucified, and I think he might rise again because that's what he said again that's just kind of conjecture and speculation we don't know because it's not recorded in scripture but maybe someday we'll be able to find out if anyone or any ones were connecting the dots before this whole plan was finalized verse 20 verse 20 then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to Jesus with her sons and kneeling before him she asked him for something so this is Salome she's one of the women who are at the tomb with Mary after Jesus is crucified she and her husband Zebedee have these two sons James and John who Were disciples of Jesus. And Jesus says to her, so what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. So she's lobbying for her two boys to have a high prominent position in Jesus' coming kingdom. Sounds like she's expecting it to be an earthly kingdom, which again highlights the fact that even his disciples, the people who trust him and love him, don't fully understand what's happening yet, that this is going to be an eternal kingdom, a spiritual kingdom primarily. Jesus said to her, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? He's referring to his persecution, his death, his resurrection, what he just predicted happening. They said to him, "We are able." This indicates that the two sons, James and John, were there when their mother was lobbying Jesus. Jesus said to them, "You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and my left hand is not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father." In other words, boys, I can't help you out. My Father, God, has determined who's sitting where, who has what role in the kingdom. I have no say over that, and so I can't help you out. He did, however, promise them that they would drink the cup of suffering that Jesus is about to drink. They're not going to drink the whole thing, or it's not going to be the same, but James, we read in Acts chapter 12 verse 2, was the first apostle to be martyred. He was killed with a sword by King Herod. His brother John was exiled to the island of Patmos. That's where he saw the vision that was the substance of the book of Revelation, which he wrote. So they will drink some of the cup of suffering and persecution and martyrdom that Jesus himself is about to drink. But that's not going to earn them any special place next to Jesus in the kingdom. And when the 10 heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. So the other disciples were there as well. There's 12 disciples. Two of them are the sons of Siloam and Zebedee. They are being promoted by their mom to have these powerful positions. And the other disciples are watching this and they're getting mad. And they might be mad because she would have the gall or they would have the gall to think that they should be in position like that and to bother Jesus with such a trivial detail. Or they could be indignant because they themselves want prominent positions and they're jealous that James and John and their mom beat them to the punch. We don't know for sure why they're indignant, but they are. And it gives Jesus a teaching opportunity. Jesus called them to him and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. In other words, guys, this is how the Gentiles act. This is how the godless people act. They jockey for position. They're concerned about." authority and power and prestige and position. Verse 26, it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. You remember when we just talked about the workers in the vineyard and the story before that, how both of those were ended with Jesus talking about how the first will be last and the last first. Well, he's reiterating that again. And why does he want it to be that way? Why is it that way? Verse 28, because even as the Son of Man came not to be be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is saying the reason that we don't lord it over others like the Gentiles do, we're not jockeying for position, power, and prestige like the pagans do, is because the very character of God is the opposite of that. And evidence for God's character being that way is that he condescended, he humbled himself, became a human, and lived on this earth for 33 years. Jesus is saying, just like I'm a servant and I came here to serve, to give my life as a ransom for many you too, my disciples, need to be servants of others and slaves. Friend, the only way that's going to happen, the only way you and I are going to live that out is if we trust Christ and the Spirit of God lives in us and causes it to happen. Because apart from that, we would rebel against this mandate big time. Nobody wants to do that. But when Christ lives in your life, when the Holy Spirit leads you, you're going to find yourself with a desire to serve, a desire to humble down. And as you do that, Christ will be glorified. You will reflect his character to the world. Will be attractive. Lord, would you help us to follow Jesus' directions in this passage? Help us to be servants, not because it makes us look good in a worldly sense, but because it reflects Christ to the world. And Lord, as we do this, would you use our example, our lives, to draw others to you? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: The Daily Dose is a podcast of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry. Please subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, and prayerfully consider financially supporting our ministry at. ChristianCrusaders.org, where you can also find our weekly 30-minute radio broadcast, which airs on stations around the world, and where you can listen to our Conversations podcast featuring inspiring interviews with interesting Christians. We also want to highlight two ministry partners.